Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. bicycle for the very first time? How about without training wheels? Right? I don't necessarily remember riding with the training wheels on, but I do remember my dad holding up the back of my seat when I was trying to balance it and he gave me instructions, pedal faster, pedal faster. You know, and I definitely remember falling off a few times and crying as my knee was bleeding. And I remember not wanting to get back on that bike. (laughs) That was scary. And I could vividly remember just embracing it and riding somehow. It magically happened without help. It just went. It just worked. That was when the adventures began riding all over town, uptown, up the one street, down the other street, meeting friends and going probably places we shouldn't have. And, you know, but that was, that was the fun part. And our family would go for bicycle rides, following along like chicks behind their parents, right? Pedaling right behind them. And I can remember when I got older, I had my dad It was a last minute thing, okay? And it was, of course, late at night. How many of you can relate that with your teens, right? We wanted to go on, me and my friends, we wanted to go on a 10-mile bike ride. Um, So it was the night before, and I hadn't ridden my bike in a while. So my dad, at the last minute, had to change the tires and do oil and check the brakes and and everything like that. Bless his heart. Um, But it was fun. But it wasn't so much to where we were going, but it was the time in between that was the best part. You know, we got to stop, and um, the place we were going was a a Saguaro National Monument. It was about a mile up from our house. So I had to bike a mile before we could do the 10-mile loop around the monument, right? And so we took lots of pictures of the desert and lizards and, and whatnot. So that was the best part, was just being with friends and going out on it. Now, when our family said we were going on an adventure, (laughs) this is what it really means, that the plans had changed. We were not on our schedule of events, and we really didn't have any idea what the next thing would bring us. The unknown was the adventure, and it made all things we did exciting. So when you hear one of us say that we're going on adventure, (laughs) now you know we have no clue what we are doing. It just has to kind of come up and it'll be what it is. Robert Tuttle quoted, the Christian walk is a lot like riding a bicycle. We are either moving forward or falling off. 
I would like to add, and getting back on with an extra hand is a little nice too. Our faith journey of traveling, even as Christians, can be varied by the many different types of roads we choose to take along the way. And each of our stories are different, and some of our stories, like the roads we travel, can be rocky and hard, and probably even a few windy, crazy ones that we have to journey along. Then, you know, there might even be some of those roadblocks that we encounter. But at some point, um, no matter what road we choose, there will be a junction, some sort of crossroad along the way, a place where we'll need to decide which direction or road to take. And it is my hope that together we can discover what that might look like when we journey with Jesus as our guide. It was a high noon, and it was hot. A woman had trudged the well outside of town, and she was all alone. The other women had been to the well already. They came to gather in the cool of the morning to fill the pots with water for the needs of the day. She was an outcast in her village, and maybe perhaps even in her family. So she came during a different part of the day. She had been married five times and was living with a man who wasn't her husband. Her reputation was shot. No doubt her heart was maimed. Her soul, who knows. She carried a very large burden, and she hadn't expected her life to turn out this way. Of course, none of us do. And whether her life was the result of her own bad choices or a series of, of bad circumstances or just sheer bad luck, she came to the well that day with a dry and empty soul. Now we heard earlier from Hebrews 12, run the race that is laid out before us. Throw off any extra baggage. Get rid of the sin that trips us up and fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus met her that day next to the well, not in hostility toward her, but a quest in meeting her at the needs on that particular time. Jesus, knowing her thirst for something better, offered living water that would satisfy her soul. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, Jesus says. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. If we were to look at our faith journey as a pathway of many types of road systems and were to actually draft it out, it would actually look more like a, an anthill with complex channels and tunnels that intertwine and, you know, it's such an intricate mastery. Now, if you were to add in there to consider my path crosses and connects with yours and then ours with others, our intermingled paths from links and intersections that then shift into other directions that otherwise may have never existed before. See, our experiences and our encounters, our relationships and our sins and our struggles that shape us and move us along in our journey can get a bit frustrating and questionable at times. And the author of Hebrew encourages us to press forward Get rid of the things that keep us from growing closer to Christ and finish the race well. Philippians 3.12 reads, 
It's not that I've already reached the goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me. The Samaritan woman at the well had a pathway of roads that did not fulfill her inner soul. She did not see a way to continue the race very well, and it was purely survival mode. Now, God wants so much more for us than merely survival mode. He offers us a thriving mode through him. Sometimes we may find roadblocks that can create a pause in our journey where we need to decide what to do next. Take a different road, go around, or maybe we just sit there and wait for the roadblock to move. Fear is one of those roadblocks. And our journey pauses or maybe stops in one place for a bit out of fear. Fear is something catching up with us from our past. Fear of failure, trying something new and different. Fear of the unknown, what may be around the next corner. Favoritism, fear, and jealousy played a part in the young Jacob's life. He was encouraged and prodded to go after what was not his. Jacob's life was now in danger after he stole his brother Esau's blessings, and then he lied to his father Isaac. He fled out of fear from Canaan to Haran, where his uncle Levin was living, and Jacob didn't actually have a personal relationship with God early in his life, or when he traveled this route, he was vulnerable. He was on the run, and he was sleeping outdoors. But God revealed himself to this cunning poor boy in a dream. He stood on the side of a staircase in this dream and spoke assurance to Jacob that he would both have a good guide, God, and a good guard, God. God would provide and see him back home safely. God showed him along the way after Jacob gave himself to him. He increased his family and possessions. He was doing well, revealing himself to him. And yes, we can say that all, not all of his choices were the best ones. But at the highest point of his faith journey, Jacob returns back to Canaan on the same route that he had left on with such a different outlook and a humbling experience. For he ends up facing the one that he betrayed. He seeks forgiveness and is blessed as God guided him down that road of faith. Another roadblock that we could experience might simply be ourselves. Henry Newman speaks about an elderly lady who was brought into a facility. She was wild and, and swinging at everything in sight. She was frightening people. So the doctors had decided to take everything that she had brought in with her away from her. But there was one small coin which she gripped in her fist and she would not give up. In fact, two men had to pry it open to squeeze it out of her hand. It was though she would lose her very self if she gave up that coin. We live in a world of an abundance, forming our identity with the things around us. But it's a violent and hungry world. We know all the list of all the brokenness, 
you guys can just say it and I don't need to go through it, you know. But past all that, there is still a good world that God has created. And our identity is not in the form of the things we collect, but in Christ. I've encountered a, a few folks um, who are moving forward with no direction. <laughs> They're simply moving and whatever path is possible. They travel at the mercy of others, catching a train to just take them to the next destination. There's no plan but to just to keep moving. They travel aimlessly, no home or place to lay their head, no plan, always searching for the next bed or meal, or worse, sometimes the next drug or alcohol fix. You see, we think things or doing things and all this human stuff can somehow satisfy the greatest and deepest part of us, our soul. We really believe that we can determine our own fulfillments. So we run from place to place, experience to experience, store to store, relationship to relationship, success to success, looking for something to just feed our souls. But it is noted that roadblocks can be the very junction that we need to stop and reevaluate the next direction. Many years ago, Kevin and I were, were traveling from Arizona to California on our way to Disneyland. And he had just got off work. So I took the first leg of our journey while he could rest his eyes. It was time to switch. And so he hopped in, and now it was dark outside. Keep that in mind. <laughs> and I said, I told him which way that we needed to go and what to look for on our next turnoff where we needed to turn, and it shouldn't be too much further up the road. Well, I don't know if I had dozed off or, or whatever, but um, he kept driving and driving until several hours had passed when he began to question which way I had him driving. So we pulled over, we looked at the map, and somehow we were traveling in the wrong direction. Now, I've always been the map reader. I enjoy maps, and I can read and understand a map pretty, pretty well, people, okay? Um, and today, we go to our iPhones, or we go to our GPS, and we push in the address, and, and we listen. Now, I call her a she. It can also be a he, all right? She isn't always exact on her directions, <laughs> or um, has the latest information on the new housing, or the road that is off in the middle of an Idaho desert, you know. You know, but of course, I know better. I know a shortcut, you know. She didn't give me that direction. I know a better way. So I asked the question, which would you prefer in your faith journey, a map or a personal guide? See, we can be going with purpose and determination, but heading in the wrong direction. And sometimes following the map, if you will, reading scripture, attending classes, can give us a viewpoint of what and how things should look as a Christian. But there is nothing like having a personal tour guide, like Jesus showing you the way and speaking to your life with accuracy. There's no mistake about it. But know who is guiding you. 
Because in less time than it takes to snap your fingers, if you are not careful, the enemy can pull up to that junction, right where your shepherd has prepared to meet you as well. All he needs is the tiniest sign of doubt or uncertainty to win the battle of where for you to go next. Where will you be when you get where you are going? If you're going out of your way and you're not seeing where you should be, I suggest to stop, double check, because you might be going in the wrong direction. Find your guide in the truth and the way with Jesus showing you that direction. King David faced difficulties while wandering through the deserts waiting for God's promise to arrive. David, even after being anointed as the next king of Israel, had to flee for his life by hiding in caves and deserted places. Talk about a roadblock and a junction point, man. But coming face to face with the reality of his sin caused him to pause and write the most sincere, genuine, and heart-piercing psalms in the Bible. Based on the realization of what he had learned about God's character. And I imagine he met more and saw more of God than any other time in his faith journey during those days. For the junctions he encountered were a cause of pause. He was reminded of the voice of God and chose him as his guide. He owned up to his sin and followed with a new change of remorse and honor and was known as a man after God's own heart. But as we know, the enemy wastes at those junctions while time passes. And we actually give permission for him to say things like, oh, that's going to be too hard of a road. That road will be full of skeptics. Everybody else is going down that road. You're not worthy of the journey. And you deserve so much more than this. Accepting those false narratives about our lives that we aren't worth much to God or anybody else or we think we deserve more and seek it by other means, we allow envy and greed and comparison to cannibalize our God-given identity. Philippians 2.13 says, God is the one who enables you both to want and to actually live out his good purposes. Do you hear that? God is the one who enables you both to want and to actually live out his good purposes. We, this last summer, we studied through the book of James, and I believe that was a great aid for us into this. It challenged us and it was full of insight in how we should and could live our lives. After all, James was referring to the hardships of, of Christians living in a world full of possibilities, but not necessarily in the direction of Christ. And James, throughout his letter, as we learned, was pointing us in a direction that was far different than the world. At those very junctions, when we take another look and see God's way, we can make that choice to go down that road. It is at that junction, that crossroad, that we are able to see a life journey of transformation. Saul was on the opposite side of Jesus at the time. 
He was spewing out murderous threats against him, and he traveled down the road of Damascus. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice asking him, Why? Why are you harassing me? The crossroad for Saul at that moment is met when he lost his vision. Even if he was to follow Jesus at that particular time, he couldn't do it by himself. He couldn't go and follow and walk behind him. He finds himself alone and having to rely on others. The very ones he was persecuting were the ones who helped him. The humbleness he must have felt at that moment. The apostle Paul, now formerly Saul, faced such a time of suffering and he wrote, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. Although God did not remove the thorn from him, he did help Paul to understand that it was given to him for exalting himself and from relying on anything other than Christ. The Lord also taught the apostle that his grace would also be sufficient for all of Paul's weaknesses. He needed to let everything go at the side and rely on Christ alone. Hebrews 6.1 reminds us we are encouraged to press on. We are not to give up doing what is right. In the book of Genesis 12, we read about Abraham and Sarah. And God had told Abraham and Sarah he had great plans for them. To fulfill those plans, however, they would have to sell their house and their business. And they would have to sell all the things that they didn't need and buy a few camels and donkeys. You know, and then they were to bring Abraham's nephew Lot and, and his family and start off toward a new place and a new life. That's a lot to bring when you're told to get rid of it. They were given no definite destination and no road map. And what began as a physical journey became a faith journey. Day by day, God would guide them. They were the first people to understand that God wants a day by day, hour by hour relationship with his people. They met God each day and discovered his amazing love for them. When that same God who had spoken to Abraham and Sarah came in the flesh, what were his first words to his disciples in Mark? Follow me. Jesus' life was marked out by a few roads of travel himself. <laughs> Man, did he have quite the journey, right? Starting from Nazareth to Bethlehem, along with his mother Mary and Joseph, and leading to his birth. A journey to Egypt that saved his life when he was young. A journey embarked with meeting and loving others as he traveled. Some of those were probably a little bit harder to love, and there were some that were persecuting him. A journey into Jerusalem marking his death. A journey to Emmaus proclaiming his resurrection. Jesus' journey had a direction. His life of faith moved him from one place to another. And Jesus had a guide to lead him along the way. Jesus knew his true identity as the Son of God. And Jesus knew the road 
to his destination would not be easy. But he knew that his journey would be marked for others to see a journey of faith, which who God offers away the truth and the life as our guide. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to have my faith journey be one full of adventure, full of discovery and the unknowns and having the experience of meeting Jesus in the midst of it all. I want to journey alongside of him, traveling light and just getting rid of the things that keep me from drawing close to him, not waiting until I have it all figured out. I don't want to travel alone. I want the relationships of all who I encounter to be a part of my story. I want Jesus to be my guide. So when those junctions come and about and I see the road going in a whole different direction, I can say, Jesus is my guide. He's going to direct me. The biblical stories that we come to know are the stories of people like you and me who each have very unique journeys. Because life is a journey of choices. And in our faith journey, Jesus meets us at those junctions of choices, providing us a way of righteousness and justice and love, assured of God's presence along the entire way. We have choices. And Jesus invites us to come follow him, to open our fists and empty our hands out to the presence of God and turn our eyes upon Jesus. I'd like to invite the worship team and those who are preparing our elements. This uh, might be a time in your journey where there is a junction, a crossroad for you. Maybe a new direction, maybe a roadblock to pause at and reflect. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.